This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I'm Chanae Ogwumike. I'm Lisa Leslie, and we're very excited to tell you about our new podcast with Blue Wire, Front and Center. Lisa and I are breaking down what's going on in our lives, in the world, and keeping it 100. We're also learning from amazing guests as well, like Emmanuel Acho. People that show love to me, I forever got their back. Vivica A. Fox. If the foundation isn't right, then the rest of it's going to go wrong from there. And more. Subscribe to Front and Center today. Hey, Steeler Nation, this is Chad Brown, and you are listening to SteelerNation.com podcast. Hello, Steeler Nation, and welcome to your SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G Stryker. With me is my co-host that is giving Bud Dupree's barbecue a run for his money, Hunter Homestack. How you doing, Hunter? My man, I'll go head-to-head with Bud on a barbecue contest. You know, I kind of <laughs> like my odds. I'm sure Bud's barbecue is fantastic, but I believe in mine as well. And I think actually last year when they did the steak cook-off, Stefan Tuit won it. So maybe we need to throw – Yeah, I think we maybe need to throw Tuit into the mix to really just spice it up a little bit. I Actually, funny story real quick. Yeah. In training camp last year, I asked to it. This was like right after that video went out. I got to talk to two at one on one, and I asked him what the secret to that steak was that won the contest. And he told me he can't tell me, or else he would basically have to kill me. He didn't quite use those words, but that's what he said <laughs> with a laugh. With a laugh, I'll admit, of which course. did make me feel a little better because Stefan Tuit saying that he was going to bury my body was not a great feeling because I'm like, you totally could. I can't do anything. Can't outmuscle you. Can't outrun you. I'm just done. Jeez, I know somebody <laughs> that big and that fast. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, it's not fair. He's not. No, it's fair. not. Especially since he knows how to eat. But I would love to see a, a, a cooking championship, Hunter versus uh, Bud versus <laughs> to it. That would be amazing to watch. Let's do I know it. The nation would love to see that too. And I'm um, yeah, yeah. So uh, first things first. Let's talk about Total Sports Enterprises Steeler Nation Twitter. They are giving away a free signed um, DJ jersey, Deontay Johnson. So today you can get and find a Deontay Johnson jersey by going over to um, Total Sports Enterprises on Twitter, at Total Sports ENT. Retweet this post showing the beautiful play of Deontay Johnson stopping on a dime, turning around on the quick curl and hopping into the end zone for his second touchdown of the day big day out of him big day out of um uh, for total sports enterprises to giving away a deontay johnson jersey after he had another amazing play and i love watching this replay here on their twitter feed because dare i say that is antonio brown-esque oh it so is i mean we say it all the time on this show and it's so obvious by this point but man Deontay is so electric, so fun to watch. I know we both really like his game. I mean, honestly, last week, in my opinion, 
he should have had a third touchdown too. The the little the free play that he kind of dropped in the end zone. I feel like honestly yeah. he had a great shot of hauling that one in and probably should have. But what a game for him! Um, I love that guy. I I might need to win that jersey myself. <laughs> it's, I'm overdue for a Deontay Johnson jersey. I feel like. Well, I'm putting in my chances as well. But with so many Steeler fans out there, I'm happy if you guys win it instead of me. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> But I would love to have that one as well. So now, honestly, like, Hunter, this is a unique experience for all of us as Steeler fans. Yeah. We have never been the only undefeated team in the entire NFL in any season. And this year, 2020, finally something goes right for Steeler fans. And we are the team in 2020, the last one on the hill with Miami waiting to pop their champagne corks if we go down it's crazy man because mike tomlin mentioned it today in his press conference but kind of it feels like every week the game the steelers are in is the game of the week now is you know the browns titans ravens now this week it's like they're just that team again it feels cool for the steelers to have this level of hype i can tell you know the city's very excited about it fans are super animated about it being undefeated is just a good feeling and when you're the only undefeated team it's that much sweeter so Run it back to 1979, the last time they did it, and started 7-0. and That season ended up okay. I'd say yeah, if this, one, <laughs> if this cool one ends victory. the same way, yeah. Right? <laughs> this one ends the same way. We have a lot of happy Steelers fans. <laughs> right. And I want to give you these raw stats and throw them at you because, honestly, the Steelers are fortunate to be undefeated, but just reading these raw stats makes it just – I just want to give them to you. Ryan Tannehill, 18 for 30, 220 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Derrick Henry, 20 yards, 70, 20, 20 carries, 75 yards, one touchdown. A.J. Brown blowing up, 153 yards, a touchdown. And three interceptions on D, no turnovers uh, the other way. Looking yeah. at those numbers, I would have thought the Steelers got blown out of the water. Yeah, it seems like a loss on paper, especially yeah. the, the minus three turnover differential being the biggest aspect of that. And the tight, Titans have done so well this all year. They actually lead the league in turnover differential at plus nine. They take care of the ball. We talked about it with Tannehill. You know, he's in the MVP conversation, not necessarily because he's just blowing up stats, but he's winning games and winning games efficiently and occasionally having, you know, that 300-plus yard outing. It helps when you have a running back like Derrick Henry. It takes a lot of pressure off of your passing game. But we did see, you know, early on Tannehill for sure had some passes that could have and arguably should have been picked off. They got yeah. super lucky on some tip passes and just weird bounces and things of that nature. Yeah. Yeah. But and Derrick Henry's stats, again, when you read it, that sounds like an okay day for him. You know, 75 yards a touchdown, that's decent. If you had him in fantasy, you're not mad. But if you watch the game, you know that all came in the fourth quarter. I mean, the Steelers yeah. took care of him until, you know, eventually they just couldn't hold him back any longer or the defense started playing more conservatively. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly which it was. But either way, you know that Derrick Henry did not actually have a good game. It looks better on paper than it was. And Ben's picks, you know, I'll even give him a little bit of leeway. I think we did see a little bit more of the gunslinger Ben, kind of old school Ben that we've talked about that can get them in trouble. But at the same time, you know, the one was tipped up straight in the air. There's nothing you can yeah. do about that one. Yeah, that but, was 
the throw to Juju at the end of the game was honestly a right read. In cover yeah. two, you've got Juju in a seam against a linebacker. A linebacker you like, trail position with his back to him. Yeah, You like that. If yeah, you're yeah. Ben, you like that. <laughs> you take It looked like triple coverage, but it truly was not. It was yeah. only after the ball was tipped. You know, the other guys came around and got to be there. But that, that was a fine throw, fine read. The throw was not exactly on point, which Ben even talked about. Yeah. You know, said he should have put it more on his back shoulder where the linebacker couldn't reach it and tip it, yeah. Yeah, which is I, great. Yeah, higher throw is a juju touchdown, no question, because uh, J. Ron uh, Brown never turned around. And, and, and you know, I'm going to give him credit, too. J. Ron was all over the field making plays for that team. He had a hell of a game, man. Whenever he, whenever he got injured, uh, Juju on that little spinning tackle, and, J., and he, he was down for a little bit, I, like, kind of breathed a sigh of relief, like, thank God that guy's out of the game because he's playing He's playing one hell of a game. So, yeah. the, the dude was on fire. I, and I don't watch enough Titans to know if he plays like that week in, week out, but it seems like oh. they got one heck of a linebacker there. Yeah, yeah, I like seeing that. And, you know, the Steelers, obviously, they played their first perfect half of the season but on all three phases, offense, defense, special teams. Second, second half was more of a turnover thing to me than them changing – um, what they were doing in the game plan because they were still throwing the ball. They were still doing quick attacks. I mean, one was just a batted pass at the line of scrimmage early on in that drive. The last drive of the game, they held the ball for another seven minutes. That's one of their their patented clock-killing drives to end the games now that they're doing this year when they have a lead. Absolutely. And, and it just it happened to end with an interception in the end zone. I mean, like yeah. I'm saying, he, he did have other options other, underneath, but I'm not going to fault him for his read because, like you and I both say, if you see the behind – camera angle it's only you can only see juju running with a with a linebacker with his back to you and you're going to yeah. win that ball nine out of ten times when you throw exactly. that ball. But that's what exactly. Ben ball um well, but, but the, the other aspect like we saw those numbers too that i was talking to you about earlier and another point i want to make is the steelers won this game on special teams mm. the special teams play for the steelers is like as good as they've been since like back when cower was a coach it's the I'm talking about your coverage teams. We're getting tackles inside the 20-yard the, the line. We had one right there by the 10-yard line on a kickoff. Um, same thing with punt teams, no return. Barry, thank you, Barry, for coming back. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Two beautiful high hang time 50-yard punts that they couldn't return. So that was <laughs> awesome to have him back. Sorry for Colquitt, but, man, we needed the change, and that was a big change. And then – of course, in the kicking game, you know, Boswell was hitting his kicks, and unfortunately, Guskowski, I mean, he, he hit his 50-yarder, but then he had his yips there at the last one, man, and that ended up being the difference in the game. I like that foreshadowing on the broadcast. They said that Guskowski's almost better from 50 yards or more. They said something like that uh, yeah. regarding it, and I was like, <laughs> I thought about that after he missed the one at the end of the game. I mean, Steelers fans obviously know him well as a kicker. He's a good kicker, man, yeah, but is. obviously shanked that one is not looking great in general this year for the Titans. But on the bigger point of special teams, man, these are the things that like – these are the little things that you can almost consider intangibles. You know, they're not as sexy. They don't look as good on the stat sheet. But these are the things that truly separate the great teams. Like when you think about all those New England, the Patriots dynasty teams, they – they just did everything so fundamentally sound on special teams. You know, Slater yeah. was Slater was always the guy going to the Pro Bowl for special teams. Like he just led that whole unit, and yeah. and it's just you need that. It's if you watch the game last night too, the Monday night game, you saw the impact that a punter can have on the game. Like Johnny Hecker was just 
constantly flipping the field and putting that Bears offense oh, inside the 10. It was ridiculous. Yeah, it was. Like, when, when you have a good team, you know, good offensive and defensive team, the special teams can just put you over the edge. And like you said, the Steelers really do not win that game without good special teams against the Titans. So, that was it. And Ray Ray McLeod, obviously, shout out to that dude because haven't <laughs> haven't missed a beat. Yeah. Deontay replacing Deontay, who was an all pro returner. And you know, again, we think the world of as a returner and as a receiver. But Ray Ray has come in and completely lived up to that standard that Deontay set, which yeah. is incredible to say. And honestly, should have scored on that one. Like as a Steelers fan, I feel like I don't know why he cut back inside like he did, but Yeah, I, I thought he was gonna stay it. wide as well. Like stay to yeah. the right. If he stayed to the right, he had an easy touchdown, but it looked you know, that Ray, way, but, but yeah. yeah. I'm I'm glad you brought up Ray Ray's return because that's flipping the field in the opposite direction for the offense too. And that that's another big part of the special teams as well. And just to go back to Gaskowski, he's five for five this season on kicks over fifty yards. So oh. I don't know what's wrong with him inside of 50, but I'll take it. I'll, t- yeah. I'll take the win any way I can nowadays. So You know what uh, they should do? If if they have like a 45, 46-yard attempt, just take a false start and, and knock him back, and then, then he'll make the kick every time. That's obviously what they need to do. <laughs> yeah. So Ben this week goes out and he's throwing at least, you know, almost 50 throws that game. I I jumped up on Twitter right before the game. I said, my plan to attack the game is Ben's going to spread them out and do a quick pass attack. And they they hit that because that helps them out. It slows down a quick attack defense. I even expect to see it this week against Baltimore because Baltimore is going to try to sack. When you spread everybody out, everybody's trying to funnel in right there in the middle toward the quarterback, and you're running these plays to the outside, just completely going away from their pass rush with Ben getting that ball out and in his league record leading 2.35 seconds now per pass attempt. That's just like, that's something that's going to be really difficult for other teams to be able to play against, but it plays in Ben's favor. Now that he's comfortable, he can throw these balls a little bit quicker, 50 throws today. I mean, he's got two touchdowns, but his three interceptions, like we talked about that first one, I went back and I watched that play too, right at the end of the half. I was hoping they'd get a, uh, a field goal or go for the field goal. But when I watched the replay of that final play, they were balls in for that Hail Mary. Everybody ran a straight. So yeah. they didn't even have a chance for somebody on a comebacker, which, you know, is unfortunate for me. I'm trying to take those points. You get a quick extra three points right there at the end of the, of the half. And that would have helped them out a little bit too. I made it a mm-hmm. little tougher. And then plus with right there at the end of the game, you're playing just to, for, to kick a field goal as opposed yeah. to throwing there into the end zone to Juju. And that would have iced the game with that sure. extra six points. But, you know, Hindsight is 2020 in 2020, and, hey, <laughs> and nice. that's the way we're going. But talking about the Patriots again, too, um, Ben Roethlisberger just joined uh, Tom Brady uh, and Brett Favre now as the only players with 150-plus wins for a single franchise. Yeah. So that's 160 with Brett Favre, 219 for um, uh, Brady up there in New England. So congratulations to Ben. for he's, he, it's, It seems like he's hitting a different milestone every week. Yeah. It does. It does. That he's at that first, stage in his career, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And this was his first interception in his last 137 pass attempts, his first one he threw, which was the longest active streak without an interception among current starting quarterbacks. Um, so that's a that's a big stat as well. A lot of throws between interceptions. Yeah, absolutely, man. And then, yeah, you mentioned it, the other interception being on that Hail Mary. I mean, you could – kind of make an excuse for all three of his picks, which is not, which is a super Yinzery Homer thing to do. I understand. Yeah. But at the same time, 
like when you evaluate the team and, and Ben's play in particular, that does matter. You know, he's not just making terrible errant throws and that three pick stat line, just yeah. kind of like we said, Al Henry's stat line was a little misleading due to the yeah. late work he got in. Three picks is a little misleading to the game Ben played, man, because especially in the first half and particularly that very first drive, holy crap. We mentioned yeah. so many times this year about how the offense still had another level. That was it. Like, yeah. the offense on that first drive was peak. Bam, 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 bam. Not, yeah. They, I mean, they literally scored twice. You know, Connor yes. scored and it gets called back and then they just <laughs> scored right again with Deontay. Like, <laughs> Good point. They were they were unstoppable. I mean, yeah. it, that that was the offense that, if you've listened to this show week after week, that we've said, you know, there's still another level to this because with that personnel, with the talent they have, that is absolutely possible. Now, you're not going to have drives like that every single drive during a game. I understand that. But get used to seeing more of that because I think the offense is only going to get better, honestly, moving forward. And that's why this, the game was so lopsided so early on too, Hunter, is because your first drive that you had was a nine-minute drive. Then their second drive that they had was over seven minutes. So they yeah. ate up the they, and they ended up scoring into the second quarter with that Snell touchdown. I mean, when you keeping the ball out of the hands of of Henry, that's how you beat Henry. Yep. You know you, exactly. You slow down the game. You ball possess, and then at the end of the game on that interception, that was another seven-minute drive. And yeah. they were clicking the whole way down the field on that one, too. It was a third and two, actually, for that interception, if there my memory go. serves me correctly. But James Conner still had a good game, 20 rushes, which seems to be his average this season, mm -hmm. 82 yards, no touchdowns, but could have had two. The first one, like you <laughs> yeah. said, was called back. The second one, he dropped a, he dropped a pass that was right in his hands. And yep. uh, it would have been an easy receiving touchdown, but Snell ends up getting that touchdown. Absolutely. Uh, the play later running the other way. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about that play. Uh, and I have a highlight here uh, that I'm going to be bringing up for our Facebook uh, watchers right now, currently on Facebook Live. Yeah. Is if I know you, Striker, I know why you want to show this. Oh, I know. <laughs> I, I, I'm a, you know I'm a geek anyway on this. Kind of stuff. But here we go. I just brought up the uh, the screen here, and I'm going to downsize to one of us so people can see your face instead of mine. And um, but on this play, this is the Benny Snell touchdown uh, right there in the second twenty. Uh, 12, uh, 21 into the second quarter. And what I couldn't believe when I w saw this happen is the first thing that I saw, I look on the field, I look at this guy right here. <laughs> and I'm like, who the hell is number 99? Yeah. And uh, I'm like, I was trying to rack my brain. I'm like, who's a fullback that's 99? It's like, we called up Edmonds. Edmonds isn't 99. He doesn't have the hair for, he has hair, but he doesn't have Edmonds hair. And I was like, this guy's way too big. And I was like, 99, 99. I was like, Henry frickin' Mundo. Yes. They called him up from the practice squad to play, and the guy ended up being a three-phase player for the game, which is insane. It's like, why has this guy been on the team the entire time? Because he got a snap on offense. He got seven snaps on defense. He got, like, 14 snaps on special teams. So they really utilized this, this guy in his first game, first game as a professional because he'd been in the league for a few years bouncing around on practice squads. But yeah. I'm going to run this play – and just – I want to watch two things, actually, if you can see this on the, on the play. Your extra tackle here, which usually was Zach Banner last season this year, it's um, Hawkins. He sets the edge, turns the guy inside beautifully, seals the end. And then our boy Mundo <laughs> wrecks the, the C-gap, blowing up the linebacker and taking the defensive lineman with him. So you have a nice, easy walk-in touchdown here by – Snell. Boom! 
I mean, he was, after that hit, there's nobody within five yards of Snell, and Snell has an easy jog to that to that line. I like watching this again. This one shows a really good angle on Hawkins getting the turn right there, and then bam, taking out the two boys, walk-in touchdown for Snell. It's 14-0 Steelers at that point, and – for me, it was the beginning of what I thought was going to be the route, but it became uh, quite an interesting game after that point. <laughs> it did. It did. I mean, it looked like it was going that way. The first half was about as perfect as, as you could script up. And on Mondo's block in particular, man, it was funny. My dad texted me right away and said that reminded me of Moon Mullins lead blocking for Franco Harris. He's wow. like, I, th- I think it he goes, I think it was the Vikings Super Bowl. So so I go to YouTube right away, and I found it. And, dude, I tweeted it. I tweeted the clip, too. Yeah. My dad, I'll tell you what, my dad might be insane, which I think he is, like, certifiably. But <laughs> but his mind for 70 Steelers knowledge is as sharp as ever because he's dead on. It, it looks exactly like that. So wow, introduced me to Moon Mullins as well on, su- yeah. on Sunday. So that was a, a good learning experience for the young buck. <laughs> See, we don't. We can even get blasts from the past for Moon Mullins here on Steeler Nation. Moon That's Mullins. great, man. <laughs> I'm telling you what, and Mondo. Hey, man, Mondo. To his credit, I yeah. like not just that block, but he got a penalty. I think on defense on the very yeah. next drive, offsides. But yeah. I, I loved the energy he was playing. Like you could tell, yeah. this was a guy who had spent his life on practice squads and finally got his chance and was determined not to waste it. And that's exactly what Mike Tomlin always talks about, that next man up, standard is a standard. All that stuff he says, Mondo embodied that. I guarantee you the coaching staff loved his game, loved what they saw from him, don't care about that penalty. Obviously want him to work on that and not do it again. But at the same time, he dude was just eager and energetic. Like he jumped the snap. He wanted to make a play. So of yeah. all things, you know, you'll take it. And shout out to the other guy. I don't know if you had planned on talking about him, but Robert Spillane, we got to talk about we, a little yeah. bit as far yeah. as the next man up stuff. Yes, go ahead. Go ahead and lead with Spillane. That's fine with me. I mean, you lose Devin Bush. And honestly, we talked about it last week. Everybody's yeah. talking about it. That was the kind of injury that was like, okay, that could be the kind of thing that derails this defense. Yeah. But Spillane steps in. And honestly, if you just like were dropped from, if you're an alien, just dropped from an outside country and just had a brief narrative, brief little storyline, you would never know that the Steelers were missing somebody on that defense or missing an elite yeah. you know, middle linebacker. Spillane filled in after perfect. that hit on the goal line. To oh, the goal. Which, Come was- on. I let out a primal scream. Literally. Dude, I, I literally stood up like out of the couch. Like, yeah, I mean, it was, it sounded awesome. It looked awesome. I could tell right away though that Spillane was like kind of hurt from it. Dude, yeah. you can't, you can't win. Like Derrick Henry, that's the, that's as hard as you can possibly hit Derrick Henry and still Spillane took the worst of it. That's just yeah. the absolute level of tank that Henry is like, the dude can't even be hurt. Yeah. He just hurts you if you hit him too hard. So it's that sucked, and it sucked to see Spillane come off the field, and obviously the Titans score right after that. But yeah. it looks like Spillane's okay, so that that's no, good news yes. for the Steelers. So absolutely, yeah. the hit was ama- that was classic Steelers. I mean, that's everything you love to see in football. And clean, it was clean, better yeah. than anything else. No. Super clean, no penalty, no flags, no nothing. Yeah, I love that man. And that shows you you can knock. Henry back in the hole, but you end up hurting yourself. You pay for it. You You have to sacrifice a piece of you to make that happen. (laughs) But I had this guttural scream when it happened that surprised myself. Mm -hmm. I was just so excited to see that kind of defensive play at the goal line. Yeah. It's like getting to enjoy that play. And it's like, come on, fourth down. Here we go. Here we go. And then, of course, we got a 
unfortunately yeah. grab there, right. the clutch and grab by uh, by Fitz, Fitzpatrick the next play. Yeah. Where I don't really feel that he had to because he is the faster player. That guy is the taller player, but he was worried about sure. the mismatch. I'm sure. Sure. Um, and this was another one of these games too, uh, Hunter and Steeler Nation, because we had another game where everybody's expecting Claypool to blow it up again. And this <laughs> time we went short passing attack as yep. opposed to intermediate long passing attack. So Deontay Johnson feasted, Juju Smith-Schuster feasted, and so did Eric Ebron. So this is why this team is so tough to defend. You know, while you have Washington and Claypool both with a target each, though like Claypool had two penalties that were caught against some of his targets. So right. they came off the board, um, one being that pass interference that he drew. Um, th- but this is how the Steelers are going to be are going to be the toughest team to go up against because it's like going up, up against those Patriots teams again that we were talking about earlier. You had all those tiny, shifty guys that you just couldn't stop one-on-one for a long enough time to make a difference, even though their edge receivers sucked. Yeah. I mean, they never had really right. great – aside from when they had Moss. Moss was sure. great. Sure. Um, but outside of that, it's, the Steelers are – similar to that with better edge receivers. So that makes it very, very difficult for a defense. You have to be blue chippers across the board to be able to defend this team from being able to make these, these quick pass uh, catches and then making the people miss uh, right after. So it was amazing, amazing to watch. It it really is. I mean, it's super pick your poison. I mean, you've got Ebron at tight end who's showing that he can be relied upon making some clutch catches last week and obviously yeah. having, having a good week a couple weeks ago. But of those four top receivers, you know, Juju, Deontay, Claypool, Washington, which of those guys do you not trust? Because personally, I trust any any of those four to go make a play. Totally awesome, reliable receivers. Like yep. the the choices the Steelers have, and they're showing that they don't care. They don't care that Juju is technically number one or Deontay is technically yeah. number, whatever it is. There's no numbers. There's no A, B, C, D. It's just one A, one B, one C, one D. And yeah. whatever yep. the matchup, whatever the matchup dictates, they're going to take it and they're going to exploit it. No yeah. team in the NFL can guard four receivers of that cat. Like one yeah. of them is going to eat every week. And you're throwing an Ebron too in that mix. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's exactly, it was funny to hear the way, I never heard it until we had Joe Thomas on the show when he mentioned that that like four yeah. B level receivers is so much harder to deal with than one, one A plus and then yeah. C's and D's. It yeah. makes perfect sense, and that's exactly what the Steelers have. Even though I think Deontay and Juju are probably A's, and Claypool's going to be an A as well. But that said, <laughs> the Steelers definitely have you know this lineup of where they just don't care, and they're all good. It's it's indefensible. There's nothing you can do to stop that. So some receivers going to eat every week. And if from a fantasy football perspective or whatever, I trust Deontay the most week to week. He just seems to be getting the most targets and kind of reliable as far as just getting his receptions and the yards after the catch, obviously he's amazing at. So Deontay would be the guy for me that I see as kind of the leader, but at the same time, I don't, I really don't think there's a leader and I don't think the Steelers care. Yeah. and, And Pittsburgh now has scored 26 points in each game this season. I yeah. mean, we were always waiting for the Steeler teams. Remember when we had the, the killer bees? We're like, oh, we're going to go out and throw up 30 points a game. And that's right. what we had, 30 points a game, 30 points a game. And we rarely threw up 30 points a game. We are now finally averaging over 30 points a game. And that is Crazy. so fun. A big part, too, being that killing the time of possession, we are um, at 36 minutes for time of possession on the season. And also third down efficiency, 13 for 18. That yeah. last game was immense. Exactly. 
keeps exactly, those drives man. going, keeps it, keep and put rings up points on the board. So let's flip it over and talk some more defense too. They Ooh. held the Titans under 300 yards for this past game. Past game that's 210 passing, 82 rushing. Yeah. That and that is taking into account they had 607 uh, yards last week against Houston. And then yeah. you're right, they are the most complete team, Josh, right there on Twitter, shooting up there. And, yeah. and they held them on their third down count, 5 for 13 on third downs, 0 for 1 on fourth, uh, which was their, their muff punt, unfortunately. That, that yeah. was more on them than then attempting to try to get a first down. But, yeah. but what a I great mean, game to watch. I mean, Vince Williams, 10 tackles, one sack, two TFLs. Hayden, seven tackles, uh, pass defense, the TFL. Watt, of course – his usual self, five tackles, three were behind the line of scrimmage, one a sack. Cameron Sutton showing up for my boy, Mike Hilton, who's there one of my favorite players. Two passes defense, four tackles. He really filled in well, too. Next man up was Sutton filling in for Hilton once again. I mean, there was no drop-off. That's, that's what's been amazing to see. You could even trace it the whole way back to preseason, you know, losing Hargrave and Alulu stepping up, next man up. It seems like no matter who they lose, they're just replacing them this year. Obviously, you don't want to see Ben go down again and and take that route and see if they can extend the ultimate next man up with Mason. Yeah. But, yeah, you don't want to see that. But otherwise, they're filling in beautifully. And with that, with the Titans game in particular, it's everything we said in the lead up and everything that you've heard from national pundits and everything. The Titans are an offensive team this year for sure. I mean, yeah. they make their money on the offensive side. They're not the defensive Titans of years past anymore. Yeah. So for the Steelers' defense to hold that team to what they did, it was pretty incredible. And it really, again, it wasn't yeah. until late that the Titans really started getting rolling at all. And you take that A.J. Brown catch-and-run 73-yard touchdown, you take that out of the equation, and who knows really what they gave up. So it was really one super splashy play and then just some well, late-game kind of garbage time points. The, the Steelers are showing you this season one receiver isn't going to kill you. No. I think in pretty much every single game they've had close to a hundred yard or over a hundred yard receiver with a touchdown. They're just okay and, with that. It seems. Yeah. And it, but what they're doing, going back to the Patriots, this team is Patriots esque. They are going into games to take down your number one guy. And they, they managed Derrick Henry as well as they possibly could 75 yards. That offense gets an assist. Like we're saying, and they, they possess that entire first quarter. So he really his 75 yards was in three quarters of action. Yeah, right. But totally, he had 72 total yards because he was minus three on his pass attempts that they tried to get to him because Steelers were running spies on his screen attempts. Mm -hmm. So those screens never got going. They blew right. up before they happened, and that was that's something that I I haven't really seen in a long time. The Steeler game not being all full throttle on that attack that quarterback and having a smart guy being like, oh, I've seen the, right. the back switch out. I'm going to shoot down the line of scrimmage, sneak behind the backs, hit him in the backfield, no game, or yeah. a loss. <laughs> I mean, that it was crazy. The, the attention they gave to him in general was amazing. And one quick thing on A.J. Brown I wanted to mention, yeah. kind of funny side note is if this game had happened when it was originally scheduled, A.J. Brown wouldn't have played. He was still nursing yes. an injury at that point. So. Yeah. So yeah. think about if the game happened on schedule, it probably would have been an even a bigger blowout for the Steelers. But you yeah. saw what kind of impact A.J. Brown can have on that team. And I was happy to hear Tomlin mentioned it actually in his press conference yep. today, saying that when they originally scouted the Titans, he wasn't part of the scouting report because he wasn't going to play. So they feel like maybe they didn't give him proper attention in the lead up. So 
kind of explains maybe why he did what he did. And look, it wasn't just that one touchdown. He was great all game. He's a great receiver. So by all means, I mean, it sucks in a way like hearing Tomlin say that was kind of weird. It was like, how could you forget to re-scout their number one receiver or whatever? But at the same time, yeah, I don't, it does explain a little bit that it they does. weren't <laughs> expecting to play him. Yeah. But and he was banged up the previous week too. They weren't sure if he was yeah, going to play. So. Exactly. So, so there is that, but overall, yeah. dude, you can't be, I was, I was really surprised and impressed at how big of a factor TJ was in stopping the run. It seemed like yeah, he was constantly coming off the edge and just kind of getting to flanking Henry in a way, like just getting him on the blind side, just dragging him down. He was a huge part of that. So TJ Watt, obviously you think of as an elite pass rusher, which he is, but it was funny to see those same pass rushing principles apply to stopping the run. Yeah, he's, a, he's an elite defender. I mean, I think what that's what he is at this point. Yeah, he was a defensive player of the year candidate last year. He's going to be again this year. The guy yeah. just makes, and that's the thing. Like everybody gets caught up on those flashy sack numbers or big interceptions uh, for a cornerback that knows the plays that are coming because they've got the signals from the other team. But right. other than that, <laughs> you can, I'm always going to take a shot at the Patriots. I was going to say you can, you can never resist that one because <laughs> I I thought that should have been T.J. Watt's first because yeah. the amount of plays he made last year. But he's still right on track. He's still doing it again this year. And yeah. he still hasn't had, like, a really blowout game. Like, he's just constantly making plays every game. Yep. Like, last yep. year he had a couple games where he was just, like, insane. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Huge plays, multiple plays, multiple turnovers. And that was towards – it was – that too. Last year it was more towards the end of the year, if my memory yeah. serves me, when he really started putting up those games. So it could be as – offense is getting a little more worn down or him just hitting his stride I'm anxious to see if he hits another level at the end of this season it's going to be special for sure yeah and I just I want to get to Anthony had a question a little Great. while ago here Anthony, on Facebook. how you doing Anthony our dude always good Anthony, to see you every week Anthony on all, always asking super smart questions too which is That's awesome why we love him <laughs> yeah he says uh do you see other defenses noticing that a quick pass is coming? So that causes a possibility of more tipped passes. I mean, I'll, t I'll take it just because I think that's right. obviously, yes, we see it. Um, Ben's getting a lot of passes tipped. I think the Browns game was the most blatant example when Ben would was trying to hit a couple of those quick slants and they just had their hands all over it to tip it, potentially get a pick. And then obviously last week you see the tip actually resulting in a pick. So that's something that defenses are noticing. It's something that I find funny. I saw some tweets to the effect of Ben Roethlisberger's 6'5". How is he getting passes tipped? And I'm just thinking to myself, how tall do you think defensive linemen are? Like, they're the same height. They're big dudes. Oh, right. <laughs> and, then, and then you put yeah. your arm up. Now you're seven foot seven. Like, yeah. ben, ben isn't that tall, you know, <laughs> whatever. Well, like, well, he's not Baker Mayfield or Drew Brees having to throw over those hands right. all the time. But ben, so Ben's a line thrower with that, with that right. big arm. I mean, he's throwing it at that level. And I, I'll take a, uh, another uh, point, too, about that pass rush there, uh, Anthony. And sometimes – tip balls are a byproduct of your coaching style for rushing the quarterback. Vrabel is their head coach. Nobody was better at sitting in the passing lanes and getting a mitt up than Vrabel. Uh, and, and he did it constantly for the Patriots, did it with the Steelers when he was on the Steelers when we drafted him as well. He's a smart guy, and he has his, he has his defensive line coached. You know, we know this guy's going to get the ball out of his hands quickly. If you see him cock up, Get that hand in the air. And it, they, there was a lot of tips in that game. There were like four tips, I think, in that game uh, from the defensive line. Like one was an interception. One could have been an interception. Yeah. Um, and then two would like knock the other ways. But 
I mean, it's, it's more, for me, it adds more of a coaching emphasis because sometimes when you have a team that's just all about rushing the passer, they're not going to get their hands up. Uh, and the coach is really the difference that makes sure you get those hands up in the passing lane when that pass is going to be delivered and you're not going to get to that quarterback. you got to separate and get that hand up and try to get a piece of that ball. And so kudos to the coaching and kudos to recognizing the type of game that they were going to have, understanding that Ben is no longer that stand-in-the-pocket-all-day type of quarterback. He's a drop-back-bank type of quarterback now. And that said, that's now been effective for teams facing the Steelers two weeks in a row. So you better believe, like, the Ravens are paying attention. Every team from now on is paying attention to that and probably going to implement that. So now it's up to the Steelers. Maybe some more pump fakes from Ben. I'm not sure what you're going to see exactly. But – I, it didn't sink them against the Titans, but it was a problem for me. You know, I would definitely consider that a problem in that game. Yeah. Resulted in a pick, resulted in a couple more incompletions. It's something they're going to have to work on if it keeps happening, and I would imagine it keeps happening because now the blueprint is out there, so to speak. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure that you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Now it's time for game balls. I want to go. I want to lead with the game ball on offense. I'll let you lead on defense. You got it? All right. All right. Let's do that. My game ball on offense is going to be the offensive line. It's hey, that's beautiful. a lot of balls. That's I a am. lot of game balls. It, it's, it goes to the whole offensive line, including Hawkins, who came in to set that beautiful edge on that Snell touchdown. He's He's doing an excellent job with the unbalanced attack. And just, you got to think about it. The run blocking was excellent, especially in the first half when we had to keep control of the ball, keep the sticks moving. And also, biggest one, zero sacks. Zero sacks on the day. And for an old quarterback like Big Ben, we got to take care of him. That's the easiest way and the best way to take care of him is making sure he's not getting hit a lot when he drops back to pass. Yep. 
And we knew ahead of time, you know, when we scouted the Titans and talked about them last week, they didn't get to the quarterbacks very often. Their pass rush wasn't very good. But at the same time, that's exact. okay, if you're facing a team that doesn't have a good pass rush, hold them to zero then. Yes. <laughs> because that, that's what you should do. And that's exactly what the Steelers did. Their offensive line's been great all, all year. And sticking with our – I guess today's theme is next man up because maybe the offensive line embodies that the best of any position group. Zach Banner goes down, Chuk steps in. DeCastro goes down, Dotson steps in. That unit has been yeah. rock solid all yeah. year. And Villanueva had a lot of fans worried last year with his performance, particularly towards the end of the year, slipping yes. off. He's been yeah. back. He's been back to his form that you would expect has not been an issue at all. So the whole offensive line is looking great, and they're going to need it. You know, keep Ben upright, keep him healthy, let him make plays. So, yeah, that, that's a good game ball, man. There's no, no, <laughs> no doubt about that. I'll go uh, somewhere oh. else on offense. I'll take – I'll take our guy, Deontay, because obviously he showed out two touchdowns, yes. could have had a third. That was the game that we needed to see from him, not just, you know, because they needed the points, obviously, but to let everybody know that his injuries are not exactly a problem, that he wasn't hindered by his injuries. He was obviously 100% healthy until late in that game when he got banged up again, which is just – it's so unfortunate for the dude, man. He just can't uh, – the flip pass. If you're watching on Facebook, yeah. <laughs> I put the highlights now on Facebook. That Roethlis flip pass. Yeah, that's <laughs> when when uh, Ben Roethlisberger was running backwards, going to get sacked, and he kind of did one of those. The shovel that, passes with his. Did he do it with his left hand too? I think it was his right hand still. Okay, so his right hand. But, but still, so to, to get to Ebron and actually get some yardage out of a play that could have been a big loss. That was the most Ben thing ever like that was <laughs> when you say vintage Ben that's exactly what you talk about that was just yeah. beautiful to see yeah but but great to see DJ being that much of that big a part of the offense also coming off the injury missing another game still getting banged up but coming back into the game and finishing the game as well so he's right. ready to go for next week um same thing too uh, on uh, on defense then who's your defensive game ball so this could go a couple ways I think so I'll say first, like it's not Terrell Edmonds, but it probably could be Terrell Edmonds. I've been yeah, very he had been, an excellent game, excellent game, and excellent yeah. couple games now in a row where he's just kind of coming into his own. It seems like yeah, it's, he's getting his hands on the ball a little bit. You know, he had a pick six that could have been, but wasn't in this one. Yeah, and and that's the kind of stuff like he's getting there. I think you're seeing the maturation in his game, kind of like Bud Dupree, where everybody was so sure he was a buster, never going to live up to it. Then it just slowly started coming together you know it takes longer for some guys especially when you have to play as much as Edmonds did yeah. early on in his career he got thrown right into the fire like never forget how many snaps that dude had to play as a rookie so yeah. he's still figuring it out and I think we're starting to really see some nice evolution in his game but not my game ball this week Terrell that is for <laughs> Vince Williams <laughs> yes which you know we talked about him earlier so I'm not going to rehash all that but for obvious reasons Vince has been that was if again, if you're watching, that was the one play that obviously should have been picked off. But yes, uh, yeah, Vince has been, and, great. and they ended up getting a first down on that play. Yes, <laughs> on third down and long. On third down, yeah, exactly. That was their first touchdown drive. They were aided by a bouncing ball. Right. So right. they had the bounces. <laughs> so shout out Vince. You know, everybody had questioned his coverage and his ability to be an every down linebacker, but that's yeah. exactly what he is this year, and he's showing out. The tackles for a loss, the way he's able to blitz and hit people behind the line of scrimmage is absolutely ridiculous. As far as middle linebackers go, he's one of the best blitzing middle linebackers I ever remember yeah. seeing as a yep. Steelers fan, honestly. The dude just has a nose for that, a knack for that. So it's cool to see him get the reps and finally be able to put up some of those volume stats that you look for. So 
Shout out Vince Williams. Definitely earned that game ball this week. And my defensive game ball is going to go to TJ Watts, setting the tone, big plays in the backfield, getting another sack, splitting the defense to get Hunter or Henry in the backfield before he can even get moving. And that was just another excellent, excellent game put together by now the intimidating factor that is known as TJ Watt. Yeah. And even, I mean, heck, we can give out game balls on special teams today, too. Hell, you got Ray yeah. Ray, you got Barry, Barry coming in, helping us out in the punting game. I mean, absolutely, this is just nice to see all around. I mean, they did an excellent job. So, injury-wise, um, we've got a couple injuries that I just want to update everybody on. Uh, Derek Watt and Mike Hilton are st- still supposed to be making their way back to practice this week, according to the presser today by Tomlin. Uh, Deontay Johnson isn't an issue. Robert Spillane isn't an issue. Chakuma Korafor as well. He went out for a couple plays. He's not an issue. All three of those guys returned to to finish the game, so that's why they're not an issue. But Chris Wormley hurt his knee. They're checking him. They're giving him an MRI today. So we'll know a little bit more this week what's going to happen with him. But if he's getting an MRI, something there's something wrong in his knee. And uh, Dangerfield also has a quad injury, but Tomlin was saying he's probably going to be practicing this week. Yep. Yeah, all things considered, once again, the Steelers get out pretty free on the injury report. You know, this isn't that bad for this late in the season. Obviously, already lost Devin Bush for the year, so that's a huge hit that's going to linger. But other than that, they've been very fortunate this year. You know, Banner being the other one going down for the year, but they had Chooks backing him up. And so far, Spillane looks very good in in backup. (laughs) So they're avoiding – sure calamity with these season ending injuries so far so it's nice to see another relatively healthy slate especially you know Deontay kind of worry about him with how they're piling up but it sounds like he's ready to roll it's going to make their life a lot easier against the Ravens well it's not going to be easy against the Ravens ever but it's going to help (laughs) and Stefan Wisniewski given an update on that as well Uh, Tomlin did not address it he got his first practice back on the 16th evidently he's working some in some capacity, but he has to be signed to the roster by November 4th, which is a week from today or tomorrow. And if he's not, he won't be a stealer or he'll be on injured reserve for the rest of the season if he's not rostered. So he might be a surprise roster this week. If not, expect him to be rostered at the beginning for Wednesday next week, starting up for practice. There you go. Uh, Now we're going on to this upcoming week. We got the battle for the AFC North, the six and O Steelers. Going to five and one Baltimore. Are the Steelers elite? I mean, you've got Pittsburgh with the number three offense, number three defense in the AFC, while Baltimore has the number four offense and number two defense in the AFC. Yeah. I mean, reviewing the history of this rivalry, I mean, you can date back to 2001 uh, when, they, when the Ravens and Steelers really began, but they played, I mean, they, they've, this is going to be an evenly matched matchup. I mean, absolutely. It's, this, you know, last week the Titans game was seen as battle of undefeateds, you know, two of the top teams in the AFC. But I honestly think the Ravens are better than the Titans this year, and this is an even yeah. better matchup. I think this is a more high-level matchup all across the board. You just mentioned already some of the Ravens' stats. It's, it's funny because last year they were such an offense-heavy team with Lamar winning MVP and setting all kinds of crazy records and just doing crazy stuff. Yeah. This this year, the Ravens are back to being that defense-first foundational team and just going to run the ball. They still run the ball like crazy with Lamar and their three-headed little monster running backs there. But yeah. what's funny is that 
last year the Steelers played Lamar Jackson as well as any team, better than any team, literally. Yeah, the, that, that, was first. The, that was the Duck and yeah. um, Rudolph show where they both played yep. the game. Yeah, Rudolph exactly. The duck came in to finish and they got nearly to – got to overtime. Yeah, exactly. So the Ravens are going to have to adjust, and obviously Lamar isn't the same player he was a year ago. They, they've yeah. made adjustments on that side of the ball. But at the same time, the Steelers clearly – had him figured out last year. So we'll see if that carries over this year. Losing Devin Bush, you know, we talked about it last year. I think it hurts more this week because that's the guy that you would want spying Jackson, helping keep an eye on Jackson with his speed and his sideline-to-sideline abilities. He was an asset in containing Lamar Jackson. So we'll see without him how they do. But it's funny, dude, Lamar Jackson literally leads the Ravens in rushing attempts. He has 50. So it's just – it, yeah. It's the same thing. And then Ingram, Gus Edwards, and uh, J.K. Dobbins obviously are next up. But Ingram's yeah. been banged up a little bit. Ingram, Edwards, and Dobbins have not been great just from a statistical perspective on their own. But it's kind of like the sum is greater than the, the parts. You know, it it adds up to a much better result for the Ravens than they are individually. So the sum total of their backfield is tough to deal with when you throw in Lamar with it always has the ability to just take it to the house. So they're an interesting team offensively again this year, but the receivers are literally last in like every major category. They have almost no receivers. (laughs) And that's, that's why too. I think the league has started to figure out Lamar Jackson and that is make him a runner and, and, or, Try to stop him from running the ball and try to have him beat you by throwing the ball. Yeah. So, you know, as we kind of all figured out after I'm watching the do the, the quarterback challenge attack last year for the Pro Bowl, when he Ugh. hit zero points on that was crazy. For zero targets, where, where they also had two wide receivers throwing. Actually, no, he hit one target. That's right. But they had two wide receivers, which were non-quarterbacks, doing the same challenge. And he still came in last behind the wide receivers. Yeah. So – this is a guy that is not as accurate as everybody wants to believe he is. When he jumped on the scene, yeah, that, that dynamic style of play, nobody had seen before, but it's on film. Kansas City put it on film, and they put on a clinic when mm-hmm. they played them on Monday night in Baltimore. Yep. They said, hey, we're going to make him, make him throw the ball because uh, we're going to stop the run. We're, we're just going to yep. line up and stop the run. And that's, that's a tough, tougher play for – Lamar Jackson to have to beat you with his arm as opposed to his legs. Right. Absolutely. I mean, like we said, the receivers are literally last in the NFL in most major categories. It's, it's Marquise Brown. And then who knows after that Hollywood Brown, Willie Sneed, Devin Duvernay. It's a bunch of underachieving players at this point, but they just signed Des Bryant striker to to their practice spot. (laughs) So if, if they also, if Des Bryant came with a time machine to 2013 and 14, it's a good pick, but I'm dubious of what, I mean, Bryant literally tried out for them, I think in August and got sent home. They said his conditioning wasn't good enough. They said, go work on your conditioning basically. So now he came back obviously upped his conditioning, but if your conditioning wasn't on point in August and you've already been out of the league for two years, haven't played for three years, you're getting up there in age. Like, Man, I just don't see that being remotely the Des Bryant that some fans, some Ravens fans, I'm sure, are hoping it is. He's, he's not Des Bryant from Pro Bowl 2013-14 seasons anymore. I guarantee yeah. you that. I would not be super excited about that. I don't see that as a huge deal. He's obviously a huge name. And I actually like Des Bryant a lot. Like, when he's with the Cowboys, he's one of my favorite receivers to watch. I like his style. He was super smart. He was way craftier than I think he got credit for. But I just don't. 
I think his body's going to fail him. He's not going to be the same guy that he was back then. So while their receivers are lacking, they do have one of the best tight ends in the league with Mark Andrews, and he has five touchdowns. Whenever they get in the red zone, that's Lamar's guy. You know, he's he's the touchdown threat. He's the guy Lamar looks to to punch it in. So they'll definitely have to keep an eye on Mark Andrews. But otherwise, it's like you said, the key to them selling out against the run completely. Just stuff the run. Let them know early the run isn't going to work. Force him to pass yeah. and go from there. And also, the offense has to put up points. So you want to get the Ravens to have to play from behind so they feel that they do have to pass a little more. So that's going to be really the dynamic here is can the offense score – and then can they shut down the run? If they do those two things, obviously, it's going to be a good day for the Steelers again. <laughs> yeah, and then conversely, on the other side of the ball, you have the Steelers' offensive line needs to step up again because now we're going to be playing probably the best pass rush that we're going to see this year. We get to see them twice. So yeah. it's a big test because they get a lot of sacks from a lot of different places. It's mm-hmm. not just one guy. though. They just signed a new guy, too, a, a big sack guy, the guy out of Minnesota. Uh, and, and, and Doc White, what's his name? And, yeah, I don't know how to say it. I know I who you're know talking about. Either, but, but, yeah, <laughs> he has five sacks on the season already, so that, that brings a feast guy into a, a defense that already has a lot of sacks. Yeah, so exactly. they're trying to keep up with the Steelers to have such a disruptive defense keeping their quarter, the opposing quarterbacks at a, at a, on a quick timer that, you know, we're going to have to see how this works. But – the one thing that I like about this matchup as well is the, the new Ben Roethlisberger. He is now the, the quick Ben Roethlisberger. He's getting mm-hmm. that ball out a lot faster than he did. So I think he will hit the ground at times this past game, but I don't think he's going to be hitting the ground as much as the Ravens are used to putting people on the ground. I agree with that. And their defense is definitely dynamic this year. You kind of pointed to it, that they're getting it from a lot of different places. And a huge reason for that is Marlon Humphrey, man. And I know Steelers fans yeah. are going to have a hard time giving a Ravens player credit, but this dude, he's one of the best defensive backs in the game. And he's not just a coverage corner. He's not just, you know, the forced fumble guy. He leads the team in forced fumble with four. Wow. And, and Steelers fans know from last year, and he, he's the guy who punched it out from Juju in that Juju overtime. Juju in overtime, month. yeah. So yeah. Marlon Humphrey's an asset. He also is second on the team in sacks with two and a half. So they use him to blitz. They use him to cover. He is the splashiest guy on that defense for sure. And now the rookie Patrick Queen, I know a lot of Steelers fans liked him too, maybe reminded them of Devin Bush or Devin White a little bit in his sideline to sideline kind of speed abilities. Patrick Queen has been 100% as advertised. He's having a phenomenal season, probably in the conversation for defensive rookie of the year. So he's showing up. They've got those guys. They still got Calais Campbell on the defensive line. Everybody knows what he can do. They got LJ Fort, old familiar. I know, good old LJ. <laughs> and he he's playing he's playing the best football of his life as well. So yes, by all means, they're they're a really good team. Marcus Peters, obviously. I've always been higher on Marcus Peters than most people, I think. I really respect his nose for the ball. The dude just has a knack for scoping the ball, hawking it, making picks. So I've always liked Marcus Peters' game. And then you combine him with Marlon Humphrey and their two safeties, man. Yeah, They're a great secondary, a great defense in general. It's going to be tough sailing. This is not the Titans' defense this week. <laughs> yeah. And then now we're at the time of the broadcast where we do questions from Steeler Nation from our home site at SteelerNation.com, our forum, our football forum. We take great, great questions from great football minds on the forum. And I'm going to lead with Hoot again. He's going to start off. He says, offense this year is being more horizontal concepts than vertical, reliance on the quick pass and catch, uh, then let the backs and receivers make the plays up is effective and keeps Ben upright. 
Ben has gotten the ball out faster than anybody else this year for next generation stats. Certainly down the road, this will open up deeper balls. Anyway, I would like to hear your thoughts on this change of offensive philosophy. And if we think it is Matt Canada's influence or other thoughts that we have on that, uh, do you want to leave with that? Or do you want me to leave? Sure. I'll take it. That's okay. cool. Um, I think, you know, whenever you ask a question like that and say, is it this, is it this? I always think the answer is that it's a little bit of everything. You know, yeah. I'm sure Canada is having an impact on that. You've seen a lot of the jet sweeps and some of the motion that you'd be familiar with from yeah. Canada. So that definitely is playing into it. I think the personnel is playing into it a lot too. You know, this is, these are things that Juju has always worked well out of the slot and yep. he's shown a great ability for yards after the catch this year. Deontay Johnson, that's obviously his game through and through. Claypool being a more vertical kind of guy, and we've seen that from him. But otherwise, this is more kind of the personnel they have. And in Ben's return, I think his arm I, – I feel like his deep ball struggles are overstated at this point, and he's proven yeah. that. But I do think that there, it, there was something to it, especially early on, just getting him some quick dink and dunks, build some chemistry, build some confidence, you know, just gain yards. But also – for so many for so many years as a Steelers fan, they would you know match up against Tom Brady, for instance, and he would just totally dice them with these horizontal plays. Dink yep. and dunk. I think the Steelers just finally realized that a five yard pass is just as good as a five yard run, and maybe yep. more high percentage, maybe easier to execute. So I think it's more of an overall philosophy shift that we're seeing, and it's obviously benefiting the offense. Like like we said earlier. You're not getting the guy who is clearly, you know, putting up A, B numbers, but you're getting four guys who are putting up, you know, B level numbers and the total once again yeah. is just way better than the parts. So we're seeing a more polished offense overall and it, a lot of credit to that change in philosophy. And, and for me, for Canada specifically, what I'm seeing the difference with Canada is all the pre-snap movement. And mm -hmm. that's more pre-snap movement than we are normally utilizing ever. Uh, also, I love how he reuses the same plays out of the same base concepts. So we have that play where we always have that receiver coming around the end, end around. So we don't know if he's the receiver's going to get the ball or if they're just going to hand it off and come straight up the middle with Connor because they do both yeah. out of the same set, set. So as a defense, it's kind of hard to defend because it's like a pre-snap RPO because if you're doing your game film, it looks exactly the same. So you don't know if it's right. a run, you don't know if it's a pass. And that's pre-snap, whereas the RPO, it's like you have the ball in the gut of the, of the running back, and it's like, oh, is he going to leave it in the gut of the running back, or is he going to pull it out? Right. So I think that aspect of, the, of not knowing whether it's a run or pass fits Ben's game better than as opposed to being an actual RPO quarterback. Absolutely, and it's super interesting because you've seen it already with Claypool running that sweep. Is like if you hesitate for even a, a split second on that, he's going to beat you to the edge and the play is going to be successful. So it's amazing to see the level of confusion they can cause with that and the results of that confusion. Um, I've got a question here from Steel Buckeye. He also says, the Ravens have one of the top scoring defenses in the NFL. Is that a product of their week schedule? Um, and for me, I have to say, it is always difficult to create turnovers in the NFL. It's, it's not something you're going to ever plan on as a defense, but their defense has always been a point of emphasis to go and get the football. And that starts with their 2000 Super Bowl team. They're always play the football, get your hands up, get your hands on the ball and take it back the other way and help your team out with scoring. So this has been part of their identity since they started winning Super Bowls in 2000. 
Yeah, and you probably you saw me laugh as you were reading. Like these these week schedule questions are just goofy to me because it's the NFL and every team is very good. Like every yeah. team can do good things. I'm looking at the Ravens schedule. You know, the Browns, that's a good offense in my opinion. The it, Texans – The Browns always play them well too. Right. The Texans, that's a good offense. Chiefs, yeah. obviously. Okay, that one goes without saying. Washington, okay, there's the first team that is actually a pretty weak offense in my yeah. mind. Bengals, I'll tell you what, Bengals' offense looks good. That's not the problem. They're putting up points and yards. They're doing fine with Burrow. The Eagles, so-so, weak-ish offense. But it's not. that's not why their defense, the Ravens' defense is looking so good. They look so good because they're a great defense. It's great coaching, great personnel, great execution. They're just a good defense again. It really has little to do with the teams. I think the Steelers will see that this week. You'll see a little – more struggle on the offensive side of the ball than we've seen recently out of the Steelers when they just look like a well-oiled machine. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not a perfect defense either. And just like the Steelers, you know, it's, it's kind of the same level. And we've seen teams find ways to be successful against the Steelers' defense as well. That's just where the league is at this year with an offensive-driven team and all the talent that you have on offense. It's going to happen. Like, even the best defense is going to get points put up on it, yards put up on it. So they're a great defense, but not an impossible to defeat. So defense black and gold bleeder asks us on the road versus the Titans. We won the toss and took the ball to start the game. Will we do the same thing versus the Ravens on the road? If we win the toss. Um, and for my perspective, just from what I viewed, and this is even going back when I saw Tomlin uh, on a, I think it was a Monday night game in Washington. He came out and uh, actually, I think he lost the toss, but he went for the onside kick uh, mm. for the first kick of the game. Tomlin, <laughs> On the road, likes to set the tone with his offense because if you get that quick score and get a lead, it quiets the crowd. I mean, right. obviously, we don't have a huge crowd. We're having – Baltimore is going to have their first crowd this week. It's going to be 4,000 people nice. in change. So, at least there's going to be some – some some hopefully some yins are spinning some towels, but we're going to have some some Baltimore horns over there too going downtown to watch our team – Played in Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm from Baltimore area. I got their their uh, dialect down perfectly. So to me, that's just something that that Tomlin likes to do on the road is try to set the tone with the offense, get up quickly, so it takes the crowd out of the game. Yeah, makes sense, man. I mean, yeah, I got nothing to follow up with that. I don't know what they're going to do, sir. Yeah. If I knew what they would choose, I would, you know, go place a bet on. I'm sure there's somewhere you can bet on that thing. But uh, I, would like, I would like to see the offense take it and just put the pressure on Lamar and, and company to respond, you know, go out. If they can dial up something like they did last week, obviously against the Titans, that's that's an uh, ideal way to start the game, I guess you could say. Yeah, right. And Heinz57 asks us, the focus has to be on the RPO offense and how the defense can keep from giving up big runs and also defend against the pass option in the middle of the field. The Rats love throwing to tight ends, and this is a game where we will first notice Bush is not on the field. Yeah. Do they drop Edmonds down to play man on the tight end in this game? I'll let you lead that one, Hunter. Yeah, well, we've seen them doing that already. Even, even when Bush was there and immediately in Bush's absence, we've seen them doing that. Edmonds, like I said earlier when I was considering him for the game ball, he's doing stuff that you don't necessarily see show up on the stat sheet, but he's playing his roles extremely well and looking very good. So – I do definitely think that is something you're going to see this week with Edmonds. So, yes, to answer your question, yes, I see that happening with Edmonds, him being that guy to help out with those tight ends that they love so much, particularly Andrews, particularly in the red zone. Yeah, and to, be gap, to, to beat an RPO, you have to be gap sound. 
You have to have everybody working together on defense. Um, that they might be using uh, Bud Dupree again to spy a little bit more uh, like they did last week. And he might be a Lamar spy as opposed to being the Henry spy that he was last week. And we know he can run with them because I've seen Bud Dupree track down Lamar from behind before. So, you know, that'll be interesting to see in that aspect. But it's, I don't think it's just going to be Edmonds. It's going to be Edmonds work, working with Fitzgerald, working with Sutton slash Hilton. Spilly is going to be in there too. Vince, all those guys in the middle are going to be breaking down to take out that tight end. And that's been working because the past couple weeks, past like three or four weeks, Steelers have completely nullified the tight end. And I think going into this game, that is the tight the, the, the player you have to stop first, other than Lamar Jackson, is Andrews. Absolutely. Andrews is their receiving threat. He is the guy that's going to be getting that play action ball. So Steelers going in hard making sure that they're gap sound against the run game and that will filter out if they're bracketing and Andrews behind it. It's going to be a really tough game for Lamar to get the ball down the field. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Drink Iron City. We know him. He always gives us a couple here. At the Our end. guy. <laughs> he says, I think the Steelers have beaten the Ravens three times in one season. How significant is that? And how do, often does it happen for the, in the NFL through other teams? I don't know how it happens through the NFL for other teams, but I did look up for it. For this since I knew we were going to get this question. Uh, 94 and 02, we beat Cleveland Browns three times in a season. Uh, 08, we, uh, we beat the Ravens three times in a season, and I think in 14 as well. And then, um, in, but here's an interesting contrast. In 1989, Houston Oilers swept us in the regular season, and we beat them in the playoffs. Ooh. So the crazy thing about the Steelers, though, is they, they rarely – lose to division opponents in the playoffs. And it, to me, it's like if you're playing a team three times, you know what works. And you can, you can defend accordingly because you know what works. Steelers have only lost once to a team in the playoffs. And that was – that, oh, sorry, that was the 14 Ravens. They lost – that was the only divisional opponent they've ever lost to in the play, playoffs was the night – was in 2014. I almost said 1914. <laughs> <laughs> also, yes. You know, me and my brain, it works. Getting my awesome. air horn ready for you. Yeah, so, so for me, it's, it's more knowing how, how comfortable you are with attacking those defenses and those other teams for playing them so often. So I think that's more of an advantage seeing a team that you play two other times than when you got to face them a third time in the playoffs. Yeah, I'll just let you handle that one, Stray. I got nothing to add. You clearly <laughs> did your research. The only thing I guess I will add is that the playoffs, as, as weird as it is, it's not always the best team. It's the healthiest team. So I think – when you look at even if they beat the Ravens twice in the regular season or vice versa, the Ravens beat them twice, yeah. but Lamar isn't available in the playoffs for whatever reason or something like Patrick Queen gets hurt, can't play in the playoffs. That obviously changes everything. You know, yeah. it, yes. if it's the same teams going up against each other, then maybe it has more – carries more weight, more validity that way. But ultimately it will depend what team is healthier, better rested in the playoffs. I think that matters a lot more than in that, you know, elimination format. Then uh, Drink Iron City also asks, who is the comeback player of the year conversation? And is, is Roethlisberger a leading candidate at this point in the season? I'll let you lead with this one. Well, I don't know. Like, I'm not a betting guy. I don't re actually follow the odds, but he has to be, right? It, it has to be Ben. It has, he has to be leading it. 
I know Cam Newton was the guy early on that was leading it, but he's obviously completely fallen off a cliff as the yeah. season drags on. He looks terrible, yes, especially in the last game. He's awful. Yeah, but I I don't know. So let me. You know what? I'm just gonna look it up. Look well, at the you, odds. You, you got a couple more uh, uh, players that have that are in on it. Gronkowski's one of those people with high odds, and so is uh, JJ Watt. So it was Cam Newton, Gronk, JJ Watt. Basically, the only person that you heard about it was Cam Newton in the first couple weeks. Yeah, uh, because they got off to a hot start. But right. Steelers now six and zero. Conversation is going to come back to Pittsburgh, and when it comes down to to uh, comeback player of the year, if you're a quarterback. You've got a big chance. I guess Alex Smith would be another uh, big option too, since he that, Yeah, I mean that as well. That's a great kind of storybook yeah. option for sure. I like that pick, and I know Alden Smith as well. I think has four sacks or something. I saw. You know, everybody forgot about him. Oh yeah, dude, he was one of the most prolific pass rushers of all time out the gate. Like the yeah. dude was unreal, but obviously had a lot of off the field issues. So it's nice to see him come back and be a solid player again so I he's got to be in the conversation as well but yeah I'm just looking at the odds here and you're right it's uh Roethlisberger and Gronk are tied right now at plus 350 okay most likely and then Cam Newton for somehow is still third JJ Watt Matt Stafford AJ Green Alex Smith so you yeah. get you go down the list it just becomes less and less likely it's got to be Ben at the top of that I don't care yeah. like yeah. Gronk, sure, Tampa Bay's doing well. Gronk's catching touchdowns again, but yeah. he's not leading his team. He's not a quarterback that had no. elbow surgery. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. That's a oh, replacing three of your five elbow te- yeah. elbow tendons. It's, yeah, it's a way right. cooler. Yeah. Yeah. Way cooler comeback, like way bigger, and Ben's undefeated. Gronk isn't. So there awesome. you go. Last question there from <laughs> DIC. Bud Dupree or Juju? Either player has depth as a backup, and which one of their departures would be less felt? I'll let you start. Wow. That's an interesting question. I think this is the next year question. If we we lose Bud Dupree or Juju, which one's going to be the harder loss on the Steelers? I think losing Bud would hurt the Steelers more than Juju. However, I could also convince myself that losing Juju would hurt. (laughs) Like, honestly, I can walk. I can see the argument perfectly. (laughs) It's going to be a tough offseason. Well, okay. Let's just let's just take this show. This particular episode is the perfect example. How many times did we mention the Steelers being four deep at receiver being so valuable, and, and yeah. include Ebron on that five deep yeah. at receiver being so valuable? So you take one guy out, that affects everything. Then now that's more stress on Deontay. What if Deontay goes down to injury again? Well, now you've got two receivers left. Like Juju is huge. You don't want to lose Juju. I understand that he's not putting up the numbers that he did, you know, in his rookie year and sophomore year, but he doesn't have to. His role on the team this year is equally valuable as it was back then. And I mean, you're seeing the team win more, obviously, this year. So you don't want to lose Juju. But at the same time, the reason I, I went straight to Bud is simply because he's, as much as we talk about TJ Watt, defensive player of the year, Bud is like, a small step behind him. He's not light years behind. Like you could make the case that Bud, you know, has had better games than TJ Watt has shown to be able to play at TJ Watt ability, just not as consistently as TJ Watt does. So Bud is so good and literally only getting better. He looks as good as ever this year. And you mentioned it as well in coverage. He's way better in coverage than he gets credit for. The guy does a lot and does a lot well. And as much as I like Alex Highsmith and like what I've seen from Alex Highsmith, I feel like the gap between him and Bud is bigger yeah. than losing Juju and who, who would replace him. And, and I agree with you, too. Bud's just keeping, keep getting better every year. I thought he was playing at a Pro Bowl level last year and should have been in the conversation 
uh, at least to make his first Pro Bowl last season. And this this season, he's doing the exact same thing. I, I know he did not get a stat for the game yesterday, but he had that one play where he was in the backfield with uh, Watt as they came on Henry uh, behind yeah. the play. There was another one where they lined up Bud right there on the center. He threw the center five, like four yards into the backfield <laughs> yeah. and just missed the tackle on uh, Henry, and Henry ended up getting like four or five yards on that play. But, I mean, it just goes to show you how diverse a player is when you can have an edge rusher come inside and throw their their starting center back three yards. Right. I mean, that's, that's just an amazing play. It's so, ridiculous. Going into the season, I would have said hands down, you know, you keep Juju. It's not even a question. But now that all the other receivers are starting to develop, it's like, yeah, I can see us living without Juju if that was the case. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it because he's Pittsburgh. I mean, he, he's Litzburg. I mean, this is a guy that's brand is Pittsburgh right now. I love yeah. the guy. I love big receivers. I love receivers in general. And he will work as hard as anybody on that field to make sure the Steelers are winning games. Yeah. But now, but I mean, just looking at how Bud Dupree, it, it seems like when he was drafted, we always said he had, he was a kind of a, we had to build him into it, but he had an extremely high ceiling because of mm -hmm. all this athleticism that he brings to the table. He still hasn't hit that ceiling yet. It's crazy, man. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. I mean, that's insane. Why and, look like? yeah. I mean, the other element of this that almost doesn't even need to be said, but do you trust Colbert and company to draft another receiver or to draft an outside linebacker? Like I could see them easily finding another receiver moving yeah. forward to just slide in. Whereas outside linebacker, obviously they got a good, <laughs> good eye for that talent as well, but maybe not quite as good as their wide receiver drafting and development. So I don't know, man. Ultimately, if you're a Steelers fan, you want both of those guys to stay around, but I would have to go Juju being the one that they could afford to lose more, but it's not by much. It's not by as much as people might think. No, not at all. And do we have any more Facebook questions? Uh, we had um, Michael Mitchell slamming – Colin Goskowski, the Moe's queso of kickers. So there was that. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. And, sir, I just want to say that Goskowski was, you know, an all-pro at one point, pro, yeah. perennial pro bowler, Super Bowl winner. So yeah. you kind of you played yourself with that one. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> Uh, how, yeah, the other questions we actually just got to in the flow of the show, Ray, Ray McLeod talking about how would they stop Lamar, things like that. So, well, yeah. shouts out here to Josh and, um, as well. And Gabe, Gabriel as well too, for shouting out here on Twitter. Uh, thanks for the questions guys. There's one other, there's one other matchup I want to get your opinion on too. And this is something like completely a Steeler nation feel thing. And I'm going up. This is a matchup of rookies. You got mm -hmm. Chase Claypool taking hey. Pick 49 when a lot of Steeler Nation wanted him to use J.K. Dobbins with that pick, but he ended up going six picks later yep. to the Ravens. So how is this matchup feeling for you, J.K. Dobbins, Chase Claypool, the better pick? Who works yeah. better in the system? What do you see there, Hunter? It's funny that it took this long for us to get to that, and I actually totally forgot about it. But yeah. <laughs> I can happily say, and I got the receipts for this, this is the beauty of working in sports media is that you write things and your tweets are public, your articles are public. I can go back and find this if I have to. I was saying from the jump that Chase was the better pick over J.K. Dobbins, yeah. and they did, they did not need to take a running back there. No, so I can I happily say that I loved it from day one, and I love it even more now yeah. seeing, the way, seeing Chase's potential and what he can do. And it's not that Dobbins is bad. You know, he's actually playing fine for them. He's not 
getting as many snaps as Ingram and Gus Edwards or yeah. Lamar carries for that matter. Yeah. But he's doing fine with what he's got and doing doing an okay job. I'm sure he'll be fine. But Chase is clearly the better pick, not just in general, but for the Steelers specifically, I think. Because you see yeah. already Benny Snell looking good when he gets his chance and McFarlane looking good in limited opportunities here and there. So they're fine without Dobbins, but can you say they would be fine without Claypool? I mean, yeah. I don't know. Claypool single-handedly won a game already this year, basically. So yeah. he's been more of a deal-breaker, more of a game-breaker for them. Obviously the right pick, and I think time will only prove that more correct. And also with Chase Claypool, he's that special teams demon as well. Crazy. So, I mean, you're getting two phases out of Claypool as opposed to just one phase from Dobbins, who is a very – who I think his talent is still coming out of the backfield like a Ray Rice type deal with the yep. – we're used to seeing against us with that Raven offense. But moving forward, the question may be who ends up being the better pick, J.K. Dobbins or Anthony McFarland. Oh, that would be a little more interesting. Round yeah. later – who is a very diverse back as well and gives us pretty much that wanted skill set that Pittsburgh Steelers wanted. We wanted a nice quick back um, that was good uh, pass catcher out of the backfield, but we got him two rounds later and the guy's actually faster. And yeah. I'm, a little bit more elusive than Dobbins. It's a Dobbins similar, a stronger runner, probably. similar skill set. And I think we've seen all along this year, as far as if you guys play fantasy football or whatever, you know, this, if a running back goes down, their backup is instantly like a top-tier play. You can just count on any running back that gets, you know, 20 to 25 touches in today's NFL is going to put up numbers. They're going to get yeah. stats. They're going to be fine. It's just a less valuable position. And I know I've said this for a while, and sorry, any running backs out there. I'm not saying you don't matter and the team doesn't need you, but I am saying that running back is way more replaceable than other positions on the field. So last question I have for you, Hunter. Oh, no. The way these receivers have been going each week, we've had different mm. leaders and in re- in receptions every freaking game. It seems like the top two changes week for week. Dave. Two weeks ago, it was Washington and, and uh, Claypool. This past week, it was Juju and DJ. Yeah. So who do you see going into the Ravens game as being your top two receivers? Wow. Dude, that's a great question. Yeah. How about How about give me – Okay, this is going to be the first week that it's the same two guys, Juju and Deontay, again, okay. this week. I like them. I know. I, I mean, the Ravens' top two corners are great, but I think they'll they create some, some mismatches. I like Patrick Queen a lot, helping yeah. with the middle, helping with Ebron, kind of shutting them down. Vance hasn't been – Vance would be the ultimate wild card. Right? Pick. I would have said, <laughs> dude, let, let's, go with DJ, let's go with DJ and Vance just for fun instead. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Juju. I'm taking you out, Juju. Vance is going to do something. And, and <laughs> this is Vance's you, week. This is going to be – we're Steeler fans, we're going to see one of these weeks where Eric Ebron's going to be our leader in receptions. Absolutely. And I personally wouldn't be surprised if he gets the stats this week. Nice. As well as Deontay Johnson because Deontay Johnson is just that – he gets open quicker off the line of scrimmage than anybody else we have on the roster. So he's going to see a lot of balls. He's going to see a lot of targets. When he's healthy, he's going to get balls. Absolutely. That's, that's just the way it's going to be for Deontay Johnson. Across the board, though, like for, like for you saying, I can obviously see jo- Juju as well, either Juju or uh, Ebron being that extra guy. Yeah. Like what, what a great problem to have. <laughs> it's a good – it's tough to pick. And then easily – I mean, I could obviously see Claypool breaking, breaking a huge play or just being a consistent part because, like I said, their top two corners are amazing in Baltimore. Yeah. So maybe it will be, you know, come down to Claypool or Washington to exploit some mismatches 
and things like that. So who knows? Like that's that's the beauty of this Steelers offense is that week to week you truly don't know, and yeah. defenses don't know either, and that's why it's been successful so far. Yeah, so it'll it'll be fun because I think this is the first time also that we've had a really you know receiver capable tight end. I mean, it, obviously Heath Miller was was amazing, but he was a blocking tight end. But he's a fantastic receiver too. I mean, don't get me wrong with that. But Eric, I know what you're is, saying. Yeah, is faster. Absolutely. Than, I mean, this was supposed to have was it Mercedes Lewis. Was that the guy that we had before? I know <laughs> I, I'm going to get somebody's name wrong. The Darius I, Green. Darius Green. There we go. I always get that one wrong. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, because he was going to be that speed demon tight end that was going to be that pass catcher that we always kind of wanted because we were so sick of getting killed by Gronk and those types of players. Right. Now we have one of those kind of players, and I think this is going to be tough for the Ravens to have to kind of game plan against that kind of player since it's this type of player they've never had to game plan against us for. For sure. It's interesting, man. I mean, Mark Andrews, as good as he is, he made a Pro Bowl last year. Yeah. It's You know, you can make the case that Ebron is right there with him as far as being a receiver. So it's nice that the Steelers finally have that kind of firepower from the tight end position. And all credit to Heath, but I know exactly what you're saying. I don't, I don't recall Heath ever being split out wide and running fades in the end zone and things like that. Like, Ebron, right. <laughs> Ebron's basically a receiver. So, yeah. yeah. Those, his blocking is getting a little better, but thank yes. you very much, Steeler Nation. Twitter, Facebook, SteelerNation.com, giving us all great questions today. You guys are what <laughs> power us and make us as awesome as we are, so we really appreciate your input. Hunter, another amazing hour with you, my friend. Follow Hunter. Sure. On, yeah, follow Hunter on Twitter and Instagram at Hunter A. Homestek. That's at H-U-N-T-E-R-A-H-O-M-I-S-T-E-K, and we will see us back together at 2 p.m. Love you, Hunter. Thanks again, man. You did a great job. Yes, sir. Thanks, dude. That was really fun. Thanks for all the questions, guys. Super fun episode. Ravens week is obviously always extra fun. So may, I've said it at the end of every show. I'll see you next week. Maybe 7-0, and man. That would feel crazy. <laughs> I know. Let's match the, the 78 team, right? <laughs> 78 or 79? 79, 79, I think, yeah. 79, yep. Let's Close do it. Enough. Same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, man. All right, dude. Later on. See you, man. All right. And I can't even find where the – oh, there it is. He dropped off. So, Steeler Nation, visit our title sponsor, Total Sports Enterprises, on Twitter to be a part of their signed merch giveaways. Win that DJ jersey, obviously, that's out there right now. Sign Color Rush jersey at Total Sports ENT or check out their website at tseshop.com. You two can get great, unique gifts. SteelerNation.com gear page like this awesome Steeler Nation shirt I am currently wearing, established 1933. Click to SteelerNation.com. Click on the gear page. We got every size, lots of colors, lots of options, fun, fun sayings. Jump on and make your virtual tailgate the best tailgate on the planet. SteelerNation.com is the best site for fast, unique Steelers content on the internet. Check, click the podcast button to win, listen to one of our many, many interviews or the forum button to be part of the best football discussion on the web. Subscribe to SteelerNation.com YouTube channel to be first to know about our live vidcasts and video uploads. Tweet us at SteelerNation. Instagram us at SteelerNation.com. Follow the Steeler Nation podcast on Twitter at underscore SN podcast and Instagram at SteelerNationPodcast. And follow your host, SteelerNationStriker, on Twitter and Instagram at SN Striker. Striker is spelled with a Y. And do you want to listen to more Striker this week? Well, I've got a treat for you guys, Steeler Nation. I was a special guest for a podcast. One of my good friends, uh, Brett, 
on her podcast, High Tea with Monsters, Rebel Scum, and Vigilantes on Apple Podcasts. You mean I know more than the Steelers? I do. I do. I love sci-fi. I love TV. I love movies. Uh, episode 12 is the one I'm on. We watched, uh, we recapped Raised by Wolves, the uh, show on HBO Max, uh, the Netflix movie, I Am Mother, and also speculated a bit on the forthcoming Disney Plus show, WandaVision. So if you like sci-fi like I do, it's a fun listen. That's High Tea with Monsters, Rebel Scum, and Vigilantes on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for joining us on SteelerNation.com podcast, sponsored by Total Sports Enterprises. I'm your host, G Striker, with Hunter Homestack, rooting along with you as always. Go Steelers! Thank you, Twitter. Go Steelers. See you guys next week at 2 o'clock. Same spot. Cheers. And let's, get, let's stay undefeated for another week. Beat those rats.